This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Chanel Bunger with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast in Today, I'm recording at the 8th Annual Becker's Health IT Digital Health and RCM Conference in Chicago. I am sitting down with Ethan Booker from MedStar Health. Ethan, thank you so much for joining me. Can you take a moment and please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, Chanel. Thanks for having me. So I'm the Chief Medical Officer for Telehealth for MedStar Health, uh, a role I've been in for a few years now and a role that was new, uh, not a role that existed a couple of years ago because who needed a CMO for telehealth? Uh, in 2019. Um, so uh, I uh, sort of evolved into that role from an innovation perspective uh, and still sit within MedStar's Institute for Innovation, uh, where I have a responsibility not only for maintaining the processes where we uh, deliver telehealth, um, including vendor relationships and that kind of thing, but also thinking about what's next and what's after that uh, with an innovation lens. Uh, I'm an emergency physician. Uh, I've I took my my first job out of residency in 2005 in the middle of Washington, D.C., and I still work in that emergency department. Uh, and the person who hired me uh, in 2005 is still kind of sort of my boss because the founding executive of the MedStar Institute for Innovation, where I still am, was that, that department chair who hired me uh, back then. Perfect. And what is your growth strategy for the next year or two? Well, I think we, you know, there's there's sort of a lot in the question of what our growth strategy is, because there's the sort of growth strategy of MedStar Health as a whole, uh, which is aligned across an enormous amount of activities. Uh, and then there's the growth strategy of, of say, innovation, uh, which has a number of threads. And then the, the area of responsibility that I have, which is telehealth, um, certainly for the time being, and what's, what strategies we have there. Fortunately, those three things are interdigitated because the overall strategies of MedStar Health include improving access and experience for our patients. And we think we think the digital journey and telehealth obviously dovetail neatly with the need to improve access. Um, telehealth also gives us opportunities for, or for efficiency in our workforce, which if deployed correctly can mean financial stability, uh, but also improvement of the experience of work for that workforce, uh, which is really a critical part of making sure that we're successful is that we find and hire and uh, provide the environment for and keep the best talent. Um, and so those are the, the things that we think are key to that strategy, um, but the access components of them probably are big drivers of a lot of that, right? And, and that access needs to be comprehensive, not just about sort of smoothing the process from which patients looking for a particular type of appointment can schedule that appointment and get to it, but also really, a, a comprehensive thought about access throughout the journey, meaning how do you, if you're in one of our smaller hospitals, access the resources of a place like Georgetown that has you know, world-class liver transplant specialists to be able to deliver the consultative care that a patient might need out in Southern Maryland where that expert is not physically available. And so access for us is not just about the appointment, but it's also about really the access to the totality of what services are available to a patient. You know, obviously that access strategy, if it's going to be digitized like that, comes with a lot of process change um, and understanding how our technology is going to support that. 
um, and, and maintain the stability and reliability that we need it to have. Got it. Thank you so much for walking us through that. And moving forward, can you tell us about the most exciting and impactful initiative or project that you're working on right now? Yeah, I think there are a couple of really interesting projects and initiatives that we have going on right now um, that are really down that thread that I talked about, about, about access um, and improving the experience. So one of the models um, that we've been helpful with from the Messer Institute for Innovation and kind of implementing within our medical group is something called the connected care model. Uh, obviously, connected care is a term of art um, that means means something, but the way that we've deployed this particular model is rather than asking our primary care doctors to kind of work harder at access or even really to adopt a whole bunch of new tools, um, we've actually broadened workforce and we have a group of nurse practitioners, M MAs, who work exclusively remotely to manage some of the aspects about primary care specifically that we think we can improve. So um, what these nurse practitioners and MAs do is they actually provide same day and next day access via telehealth appointments for patients that are coming into those practices. One of the things we heard from both doctors and patients was, I can't get in to see my doctor as quickly as I would like to be seen. Um, and so to try to address that problem, we opened up telehealth appointments, but there's not access in the native way in, in doing that. And so we really needed to create new capacity. Um, another part of the kind of primary care experience right now, which can be um, really frustrating on both patient and provider side is the asynchronous interactions that patients want through portal messaging. Um, and that really are kind of difficult to manage for a host of reasons. Some of that is actually the technology could be better um, in terms of how it is that we engage with patients asynchronously, but also just the sheer volume, right? In, in my health system, uh, in the calendar year uh, 2022, there were 280,000 messages from patients to their primary care doctors around medical needs, oh. um, which is you know an enormous number. Um, and then there's maybe half a million requests for medication management, medication refills, renewals, that kind of thing. So that volume of work, which we knew needed to be done to meet the access needs, but really wasn't the work that, that our primary care doctors had the capacity to do, was shifted to the group that we're talking about here. So that, that work shifting is not just about sort of making that suffering to a different workforce, but also taking an opportunity to centralize it and standardize it, um, which allowed us to insert some automation. So for instance, the prescription refill process is now semi-automated that allows that group of providers to get through the requests for refills about five times faster and with a considerably larger percentage of them really scraping through the medical record effectively to look for quality and safety issues that might cause them to change the prescribing practice. And so that workforce and workflow and technology innovation of connected care now has 15 nurse practitioners and MAs in pairs supporting our approximately 350 primary care providers. They spend about half of their time in revenue generating activities like uh, fee-for-service telehealth appointments and about half of their time in some of these things that create real value, but may not necessarily drive forward the finances. But by configuring them this way, a nurse practitioner workforce that's working remotely, we're actually able to generate the revenue that makes the whole thing stay in the black and solve these important issues that create access for patients, create a better pa patient experience, and also take about two hours of work per day in prescription refills and portal message management off of the primary care doctors. And so that innovation has been really downhill for those primary care doctors. When they say, say we're going to have a new program 
they say, oh no, not another new program. Uh, and we say, this program this is going to just take <laughs> all of those prescriptions that that are keeping you um, working between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. We're just going to take those. And, and so the answer is great. Yeah, happy to. And I, I think that's a good example of not just inserting new innovation and kind of aligning our strategy, but being really thoughtful about what it is that would allow us to, to overcome any barriers to, to putting that in place. Because again, that innovation energy was downhill as opposed to having to overcome some hurdle to get to some promised new frontier. Got it. Well, Dr. Booker, this has been an enjoyable conversation, but before I let you go, I have one more question. What is the most important thing healthcare executives should do now to make sure that their organizations are successful in the future? You know, I think that there are, there are so many competing priorities now for our health systems as we think about what's, what's going to happen in the next three to five years. Um, but when I look at our organization now, I have an expectation that our, our organization three to five years from now is going to have some of the very same areas of importance that it has historically had. Healthcare is a primarily about your labor workforce, right? And so the expense of labor, where we put our dollars as a health system is primarily into our people. And I think that's still going to be the case. And so much of what we talk about in innovation is about technology, about automation, about AI, about how we can sort of do more with less. And all of that is absolutely true. And I think there's an opportunity for us to use these automations, AI, all these kinds of things that allow patients to navigate their care better, allow us to manage our workforce more effectively. Um, but what that means is that those things that are replaced by automation, those things that are replaced by AI, there's still gonna be an output that's gonna require humans to do that hard work. And the work that they're gonna need to do is actually gonna be no longer the easiest of things because the idea is to automate that out. And so what I think is likely to happen is that, that we're gonna need to have the best talent. And as we migrate our healthcare system into a more automated, uh, a more intelligent, a more seamless digital experience for patients that can navigate it themselves and don't need a lot of the labor that's currently doing it, the labor that is engaged is going to have to be really well supported, really well trained, um, and we're probably going to have to pay them more as we think about what that workforce is. And so I think the this challenge of today is workforce. It's nursing shortages. It's um, having enough psychiatrists. It's having enough behavioral care specialists. The challenge of tomorrow is still workforce. I think the challenges are slightly different in how we think about them, but I still think it's about people. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And Dr. Booker, I want to thank you once again for joining me today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. This was an insightful conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.